What's up, everybody? Welcome to 2236 Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and this week I've got a very special interview from Devoid Studios. Uh, this is the lead designer for the upcoming survival horror game, Perished Truth. Uh, his name is Ahmed, and we will be doing a one-on-one digging into his game. So, Ahmed, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, hey man. Thanks for having me on this show. Um, so, yeah, my name is Ahmed Abbas, and uh, I'm a 3D artist and designer in this uh, Devoid Studio, and we are right now like working on this game, Perished Truth. Very cool, very cool. So, Ahmed, I'm just going to kind of let everybody know how I stumbled across you, your work, and your studio, and mm-hmm. then we're going to kind of go from there. I've already sent you, like, obviously a list of things that I kind of wanted to pick your brain about. Uh, but for starters, I kind of want everybody to kind of know where this came from. So uh, I follow random uh, video game outlets and things on Facebook and uh, survival horror stuff. I mean, everyone who listens to my show knows I'm a huge survival horror fan. And I believe it was a Facebook ad or something that popped up for Parish Truth. And so I clicked on the link and it took me to your Facebook group. Uh, somewhere in the in the line, I saw the words classic uh, survival horror, Resident Evil, and I immediately went to your Discord. I was like, oh, I'm in. Say no more. <laughs> Actually, uh, the the name before, like, Perish the Truth, we had, like, a code name for the project. And we used to call it Project Revival. With the R-E in Revival, it was, like, capitalized as an R-E. Like yes, yes, yes. So you can see there where the inspiration is coming from. Well, it's crazy is when I was digging through your Facebook page, and then I, once I got onto the Discord and I kind of saw... Uh, I went through all the little channels, all the little developer notes and conversations and the Q&A and all the things you have. Somewhere in there, I saw Project Revival, and it seems familiar. Now, has uh, the Facebook and social media group, The Lad Bible, ever carried, uh, ever covered any of your stuff? Uh, so far, like we, are, we have not gotten any coverage, uh, okay. mostly because we did not put ourselves out there yet. We want to have something substantial to show before we put ourselves out there and we start like uh, showing our game to the people. Right now, we're just doing like uh, Discord, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. That's all. Awesome. Well, uh, the reason why I asked that is because the word Project Revival seemed familiar. It seemed like that stood out to me. Uh, but I wasn't sure. So I was like, well, maybe maybe I saw that on another feed. Either way, uh, you did enough to, gav- to gather my interest. And you said all the right things. Um, classic res- or survival horror, Resident Evil. Uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, and this might be a little kind of out of line, you know, kind of from where, you know, the, the, the format or whatever. But uh, is your game... Pair's Truth, obviously it's a survival horror inspired game. Is it fixed camera angles or is it like uh, third person over the shoulder or something like that? Uh, it is going to be in a uh, fixed camera perspective, okay. but it's not like the traditional fixed camera. So like if you look at how fixed camera games used to be made in the past, it was a uh, like a way to make a game look good while also making it run smoothly rather yes. than a design choice. 
And the way they used to do it is they actually model and texture all the environment and they render it. And they just take this render and they slap it on a flat planes and they put the camera in view. And that's it, you have like this environment. That's why like you see these old games, they still look good even today because they yes. don't use uh, like a lot of, they don't need a lot of performance to run. Uh, but right now, like we have uh, advanced technology and computers are right now more advanced and they're stronger than before. So we, we wanted to use fixed camera as a design choice, but not as a, a way to make the game run smoothly. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, so, that's, that's that's awesome. So it is fixed camera, but let's say as you move in the environment, the camera actually rotates sometimes. Sometimes it it slides with you. Uh, I think the the closest I can say it's more like uh, Code Veronica, fixed camera rather than the Resident Evil One Two Three fixed camera. Gotcha, gotcha. Which that makes a lot of sense. And I actually feel like maybe maybe I read that in your developer diaries or your little notes section or whatever, because, you know, that was really, I remember I've played every Resident Evil game to date, um, some of them tens and tens and hundreds of times. And I remember with Code Veronica, like it had the fixed camera angle, but then you'd run down a corridor or something and the camera would just like slightly turn and yeah. follow you for just a little bit. And I think that was, I thought it was really neat. And that was a really good evolution of that fixed camera angle style. Now I will say this, the Resident Evil OG fans and the survival horror hardcore, they're going to love that design choice because uh, I often have conversation with other Resident Evil fans and there's definitely a divide. There's a split between the people who, well, now it's a three-way split, but it used to be fixed camera versus third person over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then now it's fixed camera, third person, or first person. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, I see like most of the criticism for fixed camera is coming from, is like sometimes you are seeing like you're in a corridor, but you cannot see what's in front of you. And sometimes like you get a zombie and you cannot see him, you can just hear him. And, he, and that's like, uh, you feel this makes the game harder in an artificial way. Because your character is supposed to be able to see it, but you yourself, the player, cannot see it. And another issue that uh, the fixed camera have is because they use this pre-render technique, they always have an area where the camera will switch. Uh, What happens is like you you walk one step forward and the camera switch, and then you walk one step backward and the camera switch again. And that can be like uh, really annoying. But uh, like yeah. I said, we, we wanted fixed camera to be a design choice, a feature, rather than a way to compromise for performance. So we have like a real-time 3D environment, and the camera f- pivots around and follows you, so you can actually see around better. You don't, you're not uh, restricted to very limited view. And also, we don't have to put the transition between each camera in the same place. Like this, this problem where you like take one step forward and the camera switch, and then take one step backward and the camera switch again. This problem is not going to happen in our game because uh, like the transition area can be different; it doesn't have to be very close. Yeah, that was always a problem with the OG Resident Evil games, even the old Silent Hill games, because you'd be holding your you know your your analog stick one direction, and when the camera switches, all of a sudden. 
you'd be maybe the camera switch would make your directions change. Mm -hmm. So then you could find yourself kind of hemmed up back and forth, back and forth, like switching between cameras. Um, you know, and I just remember <laughs> that just being uh, somewhat frustrating in the old games. But uh, I kind of want to back up a little bit because I got I got a little ahead of myself just wanting to ask you questions. So um, for the listeners, okay, you said you are part of Devoid Studios. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us just a little bit about your history in game development? Now, I know you and I have talked a little bit off the air, but kind of like where you got started uh, and what got you to where you're at right now. Okay, so yeah, like uh, it's all started when I finished this game, Near Automata. And that game, like, already, already hit me hard. Um, the way the game ended, the story, and all of that, it's really made me feel like video games are not just for playing, they're actually art form. And they can actually change your life, they can inspire you to do things. Uh, they can make you think a different way, and that when I like said it to myself, okay, I'm, I I want to make a video game, and that's the start of the void, you can say. I started gathering like uh, I started writing a game design document, um, brainstorming ideas, and I just started like uh, recruiting people from online to help in creating this project and this is like the beauty about uh, the internet is where you don't need big budget you don't need an office you don't need to like do all of that the internet allow you to meet all of these passionate individuals and you get to work with them and you can make a video game even if you don't have like hundreds or thousands of dollars so yeah, like uh, you can say that's the the short version of how Devoid Studio started. Okay, but very uh, cool. like it started like that, but later on we realized we are not making any progress. We are not very experienced. <laughs> we we are kind of messy. It, it was just like a completely mess. So at that time, like I said to myself. I have two choices. I either will take this seriously and focus on it, or I will quit it. And I really did not want to quit it because I feel like I'm going in the right direction. This is where I want my career to go. Um, I don't want to keep working in my old boring job in uh, construction. I wanted to follow my passion. So at that time, like I took all of my savings and. I uh, traveled to India. This is where we started Devoid Studio. Okay. And uh, it was like a very important step, even though we barely got anything done at that time. We were still like very inexperienced and we were really messy. But at least like we were working on site together and we were like sharing ideas, fixing issues together and like and all of that. And uh, Although it was waste of time and money, like on, on paper, it was waste of time and money. But in reality, it was not because we got out with a lot of experience from it. And we decided later, okay, we're going to redo this project again. But right now we're going to do it the right way. 
So it started as Project Revival. And then we had like Project Revival, Revived Edition. (laughs) 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 And that was actually when the game started having identity. Before, it did not have an identity. It was just mashup of different ideas from different genres. And uh, it was like all over the place. But like since then, like we restarted the development. We had like a new clean slate. And we were just uh, like we created an identity to that game. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I guess it's safe to assume this is technically the first game you've worked on or have you worked on anything else prior to this? Yeah, this is the, the I don't know, like if you count Project Revival, the failed one, <laughs> you can say that <laughs> was my first game, but it was failed game. Uh, and this Project Revival Revived Edition or Perish the Truth is my second game but it's i hope it's going to be the first released game because the first one was not released it was just canceled awesome awesome Awesome. you know what i've done some reading on game development and it seems to be that that is not a very uncommon start uh so yeah with with all you know i hope all goes well and i i look forward to seeing the game so uh since we've kind of we've talked about the fact that it is a classic resident evil inspired game can you just kind of give us the the elevator pitch like what is parish truth and what would what should we be expecting from this game uh you should be expecting like uh everything that made the classic resident evil series very iconic uh like we we talked about fixed cameras we also have inventory management um we have like uh, scarce resources that you have to manage. Uh, we are gonna have the item, the famous item box, the magical box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the limited saves. Um, but what most importantly, like I, I feel like all of these things are great, but these are not what makes a Resident Evil game. I, I feel like what makes a Resident Evil game is the atmosphere itself, and. Uh, this is what we're trying to like we we are trying to nail the atmosphere we want people to feel like oh i am actually inside this environment i'm actually playing as this character and i'm feeling what he's feeling and um this is what makes a resident evil game and this is what we are hoping that we will be able to nail when we are making this game awesome 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 so uh, roughly, I mean, I don't know that you can even answer this question or that you'd want to answer this question, so feel free not to, but I have, how far are you? Are you, is the game content complete? Are we, you know, early alpha stages? Like, is it, is it playable in sections? Or like, a, what, what is, I don't even know what to expect when you're talking about building games and sections and levels. So, I mean, just kind of, you know, about how far or how long are you guys into the game itself? Um, so, so far we are like, uh, we have six, almost six months of development because like we, pre- before that we had two years of development that was completely canned, but then yeah. we restarted again. So right now we just have like six months of development and right now we are making something called uh, a mini demo. So you're going to have like, uh, some gameplay elements like walking around the fixed cameras shooting zombies, some kind of AI, uh, basic inventory, and like a small section of environment. And this mini demo is going to take place in the tutorial level of the game. This is literally where the game starts, in the full game. Uh, 
So for this mini demo, we are just basically trying to challenge ourselves. We put a deadline to ourselves, and we are trying to see if we can actually. Uh, we're challenging ourselves to see if we can actually meet this deadline and deliver. Um, awesome. And another thing is like uh, we want to see, we want to gauge interest, we want to see what the people think about it. Uh, or like this early on, we don't want to wait until we make like the full demo, and then we get the impression. We think like like game development is a, is. Uh, is a continuous thing, so we want to, it's an ongoing thing. So we need to get feedback, ongoing feedback as well. So we can always keep tweaking and improving the game. Um, so we're, we're hoping that uh, in late June, we're already late in June, but <laughs> yeah, like late June or early July, we're hoping to release this mini demo. Oh, cool. And then maybe late July, we will make this demo playable. So like anyone who follows us, anyone who joins our Discord can download the demo, can play it, can give us their feedback. Uh, and yeah, like we will go from there. We will start tweaking the game and improving it based on the feedback we get. Oh, uh, awesome. And the next step we will be having is making the actual demo. And the actual demo will have like all the game mechanics and bigger environment. And it's going to be more representative of how the actual game will be. And we're hoping to, from this full demo, we are hoping to get some kind of crowdfunding going so we can uh, like uh, make the progress of the game faster. Because we right, right now, like uh, we all of us have uh, full-time jobs and we are just focusing on this project on the side. But we are trying to hope like if we get some kind of funding, we can focus on the game full-time. And we can deliver it in hopefully one or one and a half years. That's like awesome. the timeline for now. Awesome. That's that seems that seems pretty doable. And I think that uh, I think that if you gain some interest, man, I don't think crowdfunding should be a problem at all because uh, that seems to be a uh, seems to be yeah. the way to go these days. And actually, like there's uh, like a good advantage that we have is that ninety percent of the development is happening indoor, like not so. Right now we are uh, three partners, uh, like the lead developers. So I am the lead designer and lead artist, and we have like a lead programmer and a lighting artist, uh, and like he's a lighting artist and level designer. So this is like the three of us, and we are doing like ninety percent of the production, um, and we're we're basically working for free. Um, so when we actually launch our crowdfunding campaign we're not going to be asking for uh, like a huge budget because like i said like most of the work is being done for free by the three of us right very cool very cool so uh you said in the little write-up on your facebook group this game is inspired by classic horror games like resident evil so i gotta ask as a huge resident evil fan what are your top three favorite resident evil games uh, that's that's a really tough question. It's like it's like asking you to rank your children or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say like um, my favorite will be Resident Evil Three Nemesis. And okay. um, kind of spoiler, but we're gonna have something like a nemesis in our game. 
Oh, that's <laughs> that's off. <laughs> yeah. So like that's that's a top like that's my favorite uh, Resident Evil game. Um, I haven't played the recent ones like the Resident Evil Two remake and the Resident Evil Three remake, um, mostly because like I haven't touched a video game in two years. <laughs> but like I, I, years. yeah, I I really hope like uh, one day I can have like some free time and can start playing all of my back backlogs and. I will start with these two, like Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remakes. So yeah, like Resident Evil 3 is my number one. Uh, this is where it starts to get hard to find. Um, I would say Resident Evil 4 probably is my second favorite. Um, people say like it's this is where the game, the Resident Evil series, start departing from horror to action. And I kind of see that, but it also had like this creepy atmosphere with these villagers and uh, the Las Plagas or something. I forgot what they're called. Yeah, yeah, that's the Las Plagas. Third will be probably the original, probably Resident Evil One. Okay, okay. The, not the cool. original, but like the remastered, uh, the the one from GameCube. So remake opposed to the original or the original over remake? No, the, the remake over there. Uh, I think remake is basically the original with enhanced graphic and added mechanics. Yes, yes. And they added that entire Lisa Trevor section, which is really yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I see some people they like complaining about it and like I get what they complain, but I, personally I, I like I liked it. Yeah. But I yeah, like really but, good. Yeah, like Asking for top three is really hard because, like, I kind of want a top 20. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, fortunately for us, there's plenty of Resident Evil games, so we could do a top 20 and still have some left over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, then while we're, while we're talking about favorite horror games, what outside of Resident Evil, what are some of your other favorite survival horror franchises or franchises that are just influential in your game? Um, influential from my game, I would say it's only Resident Evil, but we have some influence outside video games. It's from movies like okay. uh, the Saw series. Okay, okay. Um, as for like my favorite, some of my favorite survival horror games, I would say Alan Wake comes to mind. Oh uh, man, I got a good friend of mine who's gonna love hearing that. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I think I played like Alan Wake like three times already, and uh, I think it's got pulled out from the store. But I'm hoping like someday if they put it on the store again, I really want to replay it uh, fourth time. Yeah, it, yeah, it's back up on all the stores now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm actually, really not up to date now. I'm like I haven't yeah. keeping up to date for a long time because I I'm just focusing on game development now. Yeah. Yeah, that actually happened recently. So you're in luck. That just it just got put back on all the stores, um, and uh, you can play it on Xbox Game Pass and all kinds of stuff like that. Awesome. And I cannot talk about survival horror without even mentioning Silent Hill because and like my personal favorite, Silent Hill Two. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh, aside from that, uh, The Last of Us. It's my favorite okay. game of all time. Although I, I don't feel The Last of Us count as a survival horror. Maybe it's a survival adventure, not a survival horror. 
I, I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like these, these are the ones that comes to mind. But yeah, I, I actually have a lot. Uh, survival horror is my favorite genre. Mine too. And that, again, that's why I was drawn to your project because it spoke my language. It said all the things that it, that intrigued me. Uh, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. Um, I like survival horror games. Those are my favorite games. And I have played tons and tons and tons of them over the years. So this is, uh, you definitely, you're going to have at least one person uh, who's going to play your game. And that would be me. <laughs> so, all right. Well, you know, again, kind of following the theme with the Resident Evil style questions, what do you prefer uh, personally? Fixed camera angles or third person over the shoulder? Uh, with, I, your I top two, with your top two favorite games being one of each, you know, that, that question's that's a good one. Yeah, like that, that's a tough question, honestly, because I, I like both. And. I would say it depends on the context because if you see like um, let's say like Resident Evil 7 it wasn't like th- uh, fixed camera or behind the shoulder it was first person and honestly I felt like first person was really fitting for that game Agreed uh, Resident Evil 4 I cannot imagine it at all being fixed camera like not gonna happen and Resident Evil 1 obviously I cannot imagine it being third person Although, like, Capcom already did it. They made Resident Evil 2 and 3. They made it in, in third person behind the shoulder. Um, if if I'm feeling, like, uh, nostalgic, I would say fi- I prefer fixed camera. But um, I kind of prefer behind the shoulder, honestly. Oh, well, I, I got to say, you and I have a lot of common interests because I feel the same way. Uh, in my heart, you know, for nostalgia, it's like, well, of course, fixed camera angles because that's where I started. But I really think that the third person over the shoulder is uh, very exciting. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe even more fun personally. Yeah. But then again, I I keep uh, the first three Resident Evil games downloaded on my PlayStation Vita. And, uh, and every now and again, you know, I kind of revisit those games. And I kind of I try to make it a, my, a point to play through Resident Evil Two every year. Um, I really do. And that that one's my personal favorite. And so, like playing the remake was really was really cool. And I think you'll enjoy when you have time. Obviously, I think you'll enjoy playing through Resident Evil Three remake because uh, it is a very very beautiful, a very cool game. Yeah, and I I, I really cannot wait to play it. Uh, but I, I just want to add, like, uh, the reason we actually went for fixed camera is because fixed camera mostly fits this game that we are trying to make. Um, even though, like, I personally, like I said, I prefer, like, uh, behind the shoulder. But I don't think behind the shoulder will fit with this game that we are trying to make. That's why, like, we decided, you know, it has to be fixed camera. It has to be, like, the classical horror. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Now, here's a question, and I don't know if you can answer this one, but like, what do you like? Obviously, you're an artist and a game dev. Like, how is it harder to do fixed camera than it is to do over the shoulder? Like, would you essentially attach the camera to your character in an over the shoulder? Is it harder to do one or the other? Does it really not matter? Um, 
like right now we can actually literally make a, a third person camera for this game it's really like okay. a few lines few lines of code and it's done um so like it's completely doable it's it's actually it's gonna what's gonna change is the design language itself um for example in third person uh behind camera behind the shoulder you have a lot of freedom a lot of control you can control your radical you can get headshots and this makes the game easier i mean if you if you take the enemy ai from classic resident evil and put it in let's say resident evil uh, 7 or resident evil 2 remake the game will be super easy it's just going to be like not it's not going to be enjoyable at all right. so if you if you give the player more freedom and more control you have to also make sure that the ai is matching uh and you have to like uh make more complex ai so in in that sense i feel like yes fixed camera is kind of easier to make because like because of, mostly because of the ai Okay. Um, okay. That's a very interesting answer because I, as someone who's not a game developer, I would have never even thought of it that way. <laughs> so, huh, that's pretty cool. All right. So, uh, you know, you said you guys are working on the mini demo. Are you going to be releasing that through a platform like Steam, or would that be something you'd have to go through like your website or something to get a hold of? Um. We are still like researching about how to launch a game above on Steam, because like uh, I'll be honest with you, like uh, the stuff that you see are impressive uh, and all, but um, we are still amateur. We still don't have any idea what the hell we are doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like learning on the job, basically. We are every day we are learning new things. Uh, every day we are getting better. And I would say, like, focusing on anything not non-related to game development has been, like, uh, our weakest point. Uh, I personally would admit that we've done, we did not do a good job marketing. We only started marketing, like, uh, two months ago. We launched the Discord group and the community and all of that only two months ago, even though, like, the development has been starting for six months and uh, yeah like a steam page it's one of the things that we have not given attention yet because we rather spend this time doing something like more practical like working on the actual development of the game That's understandable. Uh, so I, I don't think you can expect the mini demo to be on steam it will be uh, probably we're just going to host it on a website and we will uh, give a link to people to play it Okay. Uh, but hopefully the actual full demo will be on Steam. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so now I want to ask a mm, little more personal question, uh, just kind of garner some uh, idea about your gaming interest. Now, large, a large part of the Loot Bros podcast listener-based, uh, we are fans of trophies and achievements, like Steam achievements, Xbox achievements, and trophies on the PlayStation Network. Mm -hmm. So... I got to ask, uh, do, are you a fan of any of those things or do you, you know, that just Hell doesn't yeah. bother you? Hell yeah. I have, right. I have, I have platinum like uh, a few games. Like I, I think Horizon Zero Dawn, I, I platinum that game. And uh, I think Arkham Asylum. Oh, there yeah. are, there are a few games that I platinum. 
and um yeah like trophies are very important and we we will definitely have them oh oh see speaking my language right there so like what makes a good trophy and achievement list in your opinion i would say like a trophy that doesn't break the game design that because like i see a lot of trophies where let's say i i really don't want to throw some games under the bus or anything i don't want to sound arrogant um but like let's say when we are talking about uh, let's say collecting feather a game will tell you okay go collect 100 feather and then you will get platinum uh, is that really fun to do like i i see like some people might find it fun but i i would say the majority of people will not find it fun so like i i feel like these kind of achievements they break the design of the game where you most people will just go online go to youtube and search for the location of these uh, feathers and they'll find them Correct. and they get the platinum uh, there are like obviously some people they are very passionate and they will get the uh, the these hundred feathers without uh, googling it and they'll do it themselves uh but i feel like the placement of these feathers should not be random uh, I think like a game that did it perfectly is Arkham, the Arkham series, where if you want to get the platinum, you have to collect all the trophies, the Riddler trophies. Yes. And they're not randomly placed. Like every trophy is placed in a specific place, and some of them they have like a riddle surrounding them, and um, th- this makes it like enjoyable to collect these trophies it doesn't break the design of the game so like i would say like if we implement trophies we'll try to make it that trophies that are fun to gather we don't want people to collect hundreds random stuff just for the sake of it just for like padding the playtime or something awesome awesome that's a very good answer i like that answer a lot because unfortunately I feel like some of my favorite games have some of the worst trophy and achievement lists, you know, where it's like, I don't mind, you know, if you're going to, if you, if you throw trophies and achievements at a game for like beating levels, defeating bosses, those things. Okay. Progression trophies. I think that's cool. Um, Whenever they have, you know, kill trophies and like, you know, that's cool, whatever, you know, but whenever you have like nonsensical collectathons that, you know, like you said, almost seem at random. That usually does kind of simmer, simmer some of the fun. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, there's definitely a way to do it to make it enjoyable. And anytime there's an opportunity to play the game a little bit differently, mm-hmm. I think that that's a, that's a good way to do it too. Because, you know, you as the developer, you've seen the entire game. Whereas me as the player, there might be something you want me to see that you put your blood, sweat and tears into that. I, the way you traditionally play the game or just like once through, I might not see. So I really do like whenever developers kind of put something in there that make me go off the beaten path and say, look what I did. Look at what I created. I yeah, think and, that uh, and we'll definitely have uh, like these kind of uh, added things, but uh, they're not necessarily going to be attached to a trophy. So like if you find them, the sense of achievement of finding them or the experience you get from finding them, like maybe, maybe they will give you like uh, insight about the game or insight about something that happened or whatever. But like that insight is going to be your trophy. 
you don't need to actually get a trophy icon or something like to to, to feel yeah, like true. you have achieved something. So yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely add those for the hardcore fans. Uh, but we we don't want the like the the casual fan to be feel like he's left out and like he cannot get all the trophies because he cannot find something that is hidden very very well and only someone who played the game five or six times can actually find it <laughs> gotcha 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 very cool now uh while we're on the subject of collectibles finding things hiding things were you a fan of like the files and the, the notes and stuff in the resident evil series yes of course and uh this is actually a perfect example of what i just said it's like uh when you obviously at that time we did not even have trophies but just getting these notes it's a trophy in itself yes yes (laughs) you're getting like uh, insight about the story of the game it might tell you like a a mini story that is unrelated you can totally miss it you're not gonna feel like it's not gonna break your game if you miss it but if you actually find it it's add to the game and it's really really cool and that's like in itself is like a self-achievement it's in itself it yes. yes there was so much information about in the resident evil universe that lore that was all tied together specifically by those notes and if you had never taken the time to read them sure the game in itself was fun but it was not alive you know but you go and you read all those notes and eat it from game to game to game and it, there's callbacks in there and it like really ties things together uh, it's it, that is so rewarding as the player someone who's invested in your universe that yes i think that stuff is awesome and super important so i agree now i believe uh, i believe you said in um it's in your discord in one of your little uh, maybe q and a's or maybe on your developer notes but it says that you guys are a uh, for, as far as the level design and the character creation, that's kind of stuff that the three of you are doing, but then like you're uh, kind of fr- using a little bit of freelance help for things with like the sound and music and stuff like that. Um, am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yes. Um, like uh, basically I'm doing maybe 90% of the art of the game. Okay. Uh, but there is things like uh, I'm, I'm myself, I'm an environment artist, so I can do like anything related to environment. But when you ask me to make a character, it's not something that uh, I'm able to do. So this is where like we are getting the help of uh, freelancers, and these freelancers have been awesome with us. Like I, I really want to give shout outs to all of them one by one. Um, they have done like an amazing job, and without them, this game would never be where it is right now. And I, I really hope like one day if we have like proper studio and proper budget that we can actually hire all of them and make them not just like a freelancer, but uh, a core team member. I mean, they're, they're already a core team members. Um, but uh, yeah, like we want to make them more. Um, what is the right word to say it? Like they're, I, we want to try to make them more hands on. Yes, yes, very cool. That's awesome. But yeah, like uh, right now we're getting the help for characters, animations, 2D art, and sound design. And yeah, like the guys have been doing amazing jobs so far. Awesome, awesome. So I'm assuming, you know, being that, 
Yeah, you the way you've described your interest in survival horror games, the classic style games, and, and the atmosphere. So, like sound design and those things are obviously pretty important to you as well. Um, like, uh, like I, I can go back to the the answer that I gave you before about like what makes a Resident Evil game a Resident Evil. It's not like the inventory management. It's not the fixed camera. It's not blah blah blah. It's not all of that. It's the atmosphere itself. And you just cannot have an atmosphere without sound, without good sound design. Correct. Um, Correct. Like just playing like Resident Evil Three, the Nemesis one, the old one, the original, and just walking down these streets and hearing crows, uh, hearing the footsteps on the asphalt, hearing the the glass when you step when you walk on glass. Without that, you cannot be immersed. You cannot feel like you are inside this lived world. And yeah, like uh, sound design is very, very important to immerse you. It's very important to nail this atmosphere. And without this atmosphere, you cannot have a survival horror game or a Resident Evil game. Correct, correct. Now, this was kind of like, uh, I was kind of leading you into this question right here. Now, I did not send you this one earlier. Uh, I was kind of setting it up. That's a trap. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> well, okay, what do you think about the safe room music in the Resident Evil series? Oh man, um, I I just cannot express how much I love it. It's like uh, actually we, we it's not going to be a part of this mini demo, unfortunately. But after this mini demo, we will actually want to create a safe room and yes. it's definitely going to have this kind of music it's okay. going to be see that was that's where i was going i wanted to know are you going to have safe room music because i'm that is one of the that is one of my favorite parts of the atmosphere in a resident evil game and yeah, they never the they never disappoint man every game has a unique beautiful and creepy you know, like safe room theme. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you had anything like that planned. And yeah, yeah of course. And uh, it's always like survival horror games are meant to be intense. They're meant to be stressing. They're meant to be challenging and hard. And we, we will try to nail all of that because we are trying to make a true survival horror game. But at the end of the day, like we want the player to like find a door interact with this door and go inside the room and he's like really really scared like oh my god i'm very low on ammo i have two bullets left and one green herb and what if i encounter zombies in this room and like you enter this room and you hear this music and you feel like ah like you Uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Yeah. this is is one of the main pillars of a resident evil game and and, uh, it's definitely something that you're gonna see in perished truth Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. I, I super, super look forward to hearing that. That is a, because now since we're there, do you have a favorite save room or safe room uh, theme song? Huh, okay. Um, I really like the one in Resident Evil 4. It's not a safe okay. room, but I think... Oh yeah, it's actually a safe room. Because, uh, like uh, sometimes it it uh, it plays when you go inside this shooting gallery area. Yep. 
and I, I would say this is uh, I'm not sure if it's I can say it's my favorite, but uh, yeah, like this this is one that stands out for me. Uh, but yeah, like the original one from Resident Evil, uh, the first one, the piano, it's amazing. And yes. another one from Shinji Mikami, like uh, the Evil Within. Yes. I, I did not play the Evil Within too. I played the first one. The second one is still in my back back backlog, and I have to play it. But yeah, like the um, the safe room music in uh, the Evil Within was just amazing. Yes, absolutely. Um, the Resident Evil Two has my favorite safe room theme. It is by it's definitely above and beyond my favorite. But like a v- close second is the safe room theme in Re- Resident Evil Seven. That was oh, such yeah. a good one. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really good one. So uh, honestly, like when I said uh, like the, the fourth one, because it's it's the standout. I feel like it's different than the rest. Uh, well, I feel like uh, the first three, like Resident Evil One, Two, and Three, they they all have like they are different, but they're kind of similar. But yeah, like Resident Evil Four and Resident Evil Seven, they're completely different. They stand out. The yes, rest. yes. Agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Awesome. Well, back to your game. I know we took a little tan, little, little detour there, talking about some common interests. But uh, Paris Truth, um, do you have? I mean, I know you're early in development, but do you have plans for this universe? Is this like a uh, potentially a multiple game franchise, or is this kind of like a hey man, let me get through the first one and kind of see where we go? Or do you have like story ideas that could take you other places? Okay, so. I'll say that right now we have not planned anything for a sequel. <clears throat> for a sequel, but I could definitely see that maybe one day we decide to revisit this universe and we decide like to make another game. But it's probably gonna be like a completely different set of characters and completely new setting, and maybe it's not even gonna be related to Perished Truth One. Um, but that being said. We do have a plans to not for Perish to Truth sequel, but for Project Revival sequel. And oh. what revival stands for is the reason we call it revival because we are trying to revive the classical survival not necessarily survival horror, but we are trying to revive the classical uh games from the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 era. So we will definitely have another game that is going to be like a revival of an old uh, title. Okay. Can I ask you just, you know, out of curiosity, where do you, what do you think about, or have you ever played the Parasite Eve games? Ah, uh, it's in my backlog. It's, uh, right. it's like one of these, uh, it's a fixed camera game. And I think it's made by Square Enix. Yes. Fixed camera or Square Soft. Back oh, yeah. before they were yeah before they were Square Enix and it had like an it's an RPG with fixed camera and yes. I really uh, right now I'm, I'm I'm 27 years old and back in the PlayStation 1 era I was really young and yes. I I'm, I'm not a native English speaker so when I was uh, very young I could not even speak English so playing games from that era that required English was not an option for me. Like you look at the Final Fantasy series, these games I could never play them because it's just you cannot. You have to 
have good English to understand them. Yes. Uh, and Parasite Eve was one of these kind of games that uh, I just could not understand it at that age. I could not understand what's an RPG. I just thought, oh, you have to wait for your turn. This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> but later, like as I grew up, I started loving these turn-based games and strategy games. And uh, Parasite Eve made its way on my backlog. Okay, but yeah, okay. well, unfortunately, I cannot comment on it, aside from that, well, because I haven't played it. Well, I, I have to say, once you're done with your game, treat yourself to some Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake and some Parasite Eve 1 and 2. Uh, I think that's right. Just from conversating with you, that this is definitely right up your alley. I think you would uh, really enjoy those personally. Yeah, definitely. So. All right. Well, then I guess the last question for tonight, I, again, I appreciate you know your time. I, I thank you so much for you know, spending time with us and kind of talking about your game. Uh, but is there anything else you want to add about Paris Truth, you know, or the development of your game? Is there anything else you want to kind of get out there and let everybody know about, about your game? Uh, I would like to actually let people know about the, the team itself. Uh, because I think we talked a lot about the game, but we have not talked a lot about the team. And I really want to give uh, each one of these guys that have been with us, like in this journey, I want to give them their props. Uh, I would like to start with my two best friends, uh, Greg and Carlo. And these are my, they're like my best friends and they're my colleagues and they're my, my partners. Uh, Greg is actually our lead uh, developer, our lead programmer. And Carlo, like I said, he's the level designer environment. Uh, like he does the, the lighting and DV effects. And without him, my art looks really really awful like honestly if you see my art before and after carlo does his magic it's like night and day and uh then i would like to give shout out for uh uh vitor uh he's uh one of the earliest uh freelancers that we got he he has done the character for us and he's right now working hard on the animations uh, and then uh, we have uh, Max. He's uh, doing the uh, he's doing the sound design for us. And oh man, like we have not shared anything related to sound so far, but oh man, like he's he's really really talented. And he's like one of these few people that you can just show him a footage of the game, and he will think of a sound that fits with this, and he will just make it for you. So like. Uh, we, I'm really excited to reveal the sound design for this game. This guy has done an amazing job. And the next one is uh, Ninja. And she's responsible for our 2D art. Um, if you see, like, we actually have the cover for Parish Truth. She, she's done the cover. And we also... I had these characters in mind. Like, I imagined them. And she actually put this my imagination, she put it in a sketch. And she made it come out to life and yeah like she's re she's responsible for most of our 2d art and uh lastly we have a uh, brain dead creation and he's responsible for our uh, ui user interface like the icons and uh, all of that and all of these guys they're very very talented they're very have been extremely supportive to us they're very helpful 
and without them we could never have reached this far very cool and hopefully we will we will add more to to this family <laughs> we we were still like recruiting for more talent that's so cool, yeah like that's... expect uh devoid studio to expand in the near future awesome awesome well that's that's very cool so all right ahmad thank you again you know like i said for for coming on here uh, telling us about your game i look forward to hearing from you and I, I definitely want to volunteer if you feel allow me to play the demo i'd love to share my thoughts i'd love to share it with our audience uh and uh, i'd love to have you back you know as you guys hit milestones or goals man if you ever want to come back and and tell us about your progress and where you're at with your game or even just talk you know game design in general you know uh anytime you you know you want to talk you just let me know and we'd love to have you back on the show I definitely love that. And uh, yeah, like, uh, thank you for having me. And uh, definitely, like, uh, basically everyone in our Discord, they will get a chance to play the demo. And I believe you are part of the first 100 club, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. And you're not only going to get to play the demo, you're also going to get the game for free on release. All the people oh, who wow. are members in the first 100 club. They will get uh, like uh, they will get the game for free. Oh wow, that's amazing! <laughs> that's that's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for that, man. Thank you so much for like I said, being on. Um, and this has been the Loot Bros Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Like, share, subscribe. I will uh, put links in the description of the show so you guys can get in touch uh, with Ahmed and you can check out. Paris Truth. And like I said, I will keep my ear to the ground and I will be giving you guys, the Loot Bros listeners, updates uh, as we move forward, man. And like I said, uh, I think I've thanked you six, seven times now. I'm going to thank you one last time. And before we get out of here, thank you, Ahmed. Thank you for having me, man. And uh, thank you for making this dream come true. Very cool.